0: You know, what I've been through surely takes a lot of steam out of you. So we were pretty depressed. I drank a
1: lot of margaritas one day. We just (laughs) were super bummed. I was just like, I can't believe this. We put so much into it. I mean, we're only two years in and really only a year in with real professional, um, a real professional look. But I wish we had known at the beginning before we got invested emotionally and financially and with a brand getting out there.
2: Yep, it sucked. I was here too. You got a hot sauce name that you love, it aligns with what you're all about. Uh, you probably put a lot of time and energy building awareness, and then you find out it's not that easy. This is Brian Rollman, host of the Craft Hot Sauce podcast. Over the past four years, I've been able to meet hundreds of hot sauce makers from all over the world through starting You've heard a lot of them on past episodes of the podcast, but this episode is different. Today, we're focusing on the journey of approaching trademarking your business and the stories, lesson learned, and just crazy things that come with it. Joining me on the exploration is Matt and Catherine from Sauce in Salem, Oregon, Steve from Damn Skippy Hot Sauce in Arlington, Mass., Jay Turner from Burns & McCoy in Colorado, and the person that you should probably listen to the most on this podcast, uh, she's the trademark attorney in the room, it's Laura Pearson from Brand Geek. And if you've listened to the Craft Hot Sauce podcast before, I pair every episode with a music guest. So today, we have Ripe. And they're going to be followed by Matt and Catherine from Hot Sauce, explaining how their journey began.
3: Good girl, so I'm told, pure and fragile.
4: So Haas, uh, for many years, uh, my friends called me Haas. Uh, I'm sure there's a million different Haases out there. But so that was my nickname for for a lot of years. And I was cooking at a, um, at a music festival on the um, east side of Mount Hood uh, called What the Festival for like the ranch crew out there before the festival got set up. So we would be out there for three months ahead of time, kind of setting up the cleaning up the forest and whatnot and so those guys all called me Haas and so I'm making sauce up there for dinners and uh, so originally you know we just had these squeeze bottles and I would put masking tape on them and write Haas sauce s-a-u-c-e you know and put them out there Uh, and then you know the natural tendency was to go oh yeah sauce I could do s-o-s-s so that's kind of where that came from, hot Sauce.
1: Because our original label, which was really home, homemade, homegrown, and we liked that the, that the words rhymed and they matched up like the Os and the S's. So that's why we did it.
2: Yeah. Here's Steve from Damp Skippy talking about what happened after he got some quick traction making his own sauces. And also my best impression of a Woody
0: the Woodpecker laugh. When this started to happen, My brother, who I told you about, who I I cooked with and worked out with, he ribs me a lot. I'll say, Chris, I'm making hot sauce. He's like, no, no, no. No." He makes makes fun. Well, once he saw, he'd come by and he'd see that, that I made this hot sauce, sees it in the bottle. I didn't have the professional labels yet, but I was making my own. And then he saw the Facebook posts of people and everyone that I send the mustang clock (laughs) each hour different mustangs there you go and um when he see and then all the people that i would send the hot sauce to they would send me pictures of their enjoying my hot sauce with whatever they were eating you know it's a cool feeling yeah it's a very good feeling and once he saw that he goes dude so he immediately said steve first thing you're gonna do is you're calling this sauce Damn Skippy, because I had told me, and he used to call me, everyone called me Damn Skippy, it's my email, I've been using that word, that expression since uh, the 80s when I was in the service, and um, he goes, get that name trademarked, because he goes, this, if, if, um, he goes, this thing has legs, it can go somewhere, uh, he says, pretty soon people will equate your hot sauce, with that name with hot sauce, and I could see it too, and, um, So that's what I did, I got a trademark, But that's where I ran into some issues.
2: All the hot sauce makers you're hearing on the episode today ran into some challenges. And now I want to introduce you to Lara, who's gonna be kind of setting the scene and sharing what are trademarks.
5: I'm Lara, uh, also known as Lara the Lawyer Who Loves Law, or Brand Geek, and Brand Geek, I guess more appropriately. And I am a trademark attorney who lives and plays on the beautiful northeast shore of Lake Tahoe and works with other, primarily other environmentally and socially conscious businesses, bands, and promoters, uh, concert promoters. And um, yeah, we know one another through a wonderful gentleman named Rob Thomas, who can help everyone make their 401ks more environmentally and socially conscious. Trademarks are, the easiest way to understand trademarks is that they're brands, although they don't necessarily have to be like a logo on the left breast of a T-shirt, like where an Izod alligator or a polo pony would appear. Um, But it's it's anything that we use to identify and distinguish products or services from one another. So whether that's band names, or the names of toothpaste or hot sauce, uh, anything that folks use to make purchasing decisions really um, or donation decisions if you're a nonprofit um, is is essentially more than likely a brand.
2: I reached out to Laura last fall when I was about to launch my own hot sauce company, Crack Sauce and was seeking her guidance for intellectual property. However, as you'll learn from her, looking into a trademark was something I actually should have done earlier.
5: But to register the trademark and acquire that extra level of protection that can only be obtained through registration, um, in my mind, you do it before you even launch the product. It's um, something that that businesses should be doing, hot sauce businesses, all businesses, um, prior to launching is doing a trademark search and making sure that the mark that they want to register is, Available for adoption and use, and then ideally applying for registration, even if it's intent to use, because there's not yet a product on the shelf. So tr- trademark rights in the U.S. the normal way they come into existence is by somebody putting a product on a shelf. So in the case of hot sauce, or, or you know, and when I say on a shelf, I guess I mean it could be at a table at a farmers market. It could be at a um, craft fair but it's essentially making sales of a product um, or distributing something uh, in what we call interstate commerce. So that's essentially commerce that Congress is allowed to regulate, which is really, really broad. Um, So making sales, but ideally making sales to people from out of state is always a good idea when it's an actual product. Once that happens, trademark rights exist. And um, they exist on a geographic scale, so where you can prove you've made sales, or if you can prove you've made sales to people in all 50 states, then you may potentially have nationwide rights. But that that um, limit of of essentially geographic restriction as to where you've made sales or to whom you know to what citizens of what states you've made sales, um, is the primary reason or one of the primary reasons that people federally register their marks. Um, but the point at which to be thinking about it is really either prior to launching or you know, as soon after as practical practical because um failure to do that can result in some serious challenges and challenges are always expensive.
2: Here's Matt and Catherine from Haasauce talking about how they approach trademarking their name.
1: We actually looked into trademark and copyright really early on. Matt's brother said, You better you know, get a trademark if you're going to do this. So within the first six months, we researched it online and we didn't have much money at all to invest in our sauce to start out with. So we read that um, you could kind of obtain a regional copyright trademark protection by just getting your name out there in your area and that would establish some (laughs) kind of protection. So we just didn't do anything. We're like, oh great, we don't really need to do anything. And then um, after and our first big bottling run, yeah. yeah,
4: yeah, when we we did our first bottling run last September, and that was when we said, okay, we're you know we're going to make a push to be in grocery stores, so let's research getting an actual trademark. And so we went through that process, and and
1: just on our own, just on our letter. own, yeah, it was
4: like two hundred and fifty dollars to register one one mark. And uh, so we're like, okay, we're gonna register sauce. And on that website, the USPTO site, um, you can uh, do a search for trademarks that exist. And so you can type in sauce or type in whatever you, whatever you have and um, it will bring up a list of both live and dead trademark applications or existing trademarks. And we typed in Haas Sauce and you know we were naive about it and, and Haas Sauce, the way that we have it didn't come up. Yeah. And so we said, Oh, okay, it's not there. Sweet. Let's
1: I think we even it. typed it in Haas S-A-U-C-E. And that did bring up another business in Portland that's a tanning lotion. But we thought, well, he's not even in the food category, so that won't be a problem for us. Yeah. So
4: So we did it. So we we submitted the application and it came back, it took about four months, four months into it, uh, we got a note back from them and, and it was a denial and like, oh man, what's up? And so we looked at what they send back, why it's being denied. And um, we didn't agree with it, but we, <laughs> so we wrote back a rebuttal and said, no, this is why this is different. Um, there was like this Terry Ho's yum yum sauce that came up in our search was nothing like our are um, like Haas sauce. We didn't understand that. And um, uh,
1: And then the other trademark that was a problem was SOSS. There was a trademark for this mark, sauce, SOSS, which we have not even been able to find actually being in use but someone holds a trademark on it what happened was we actually confused their denial we thought they were citing this company terry hose yum yum sauce <laughs> but actually it's another company out of pennsylvania that has a steak and seafood chain and they sell a sauce in their restaurants called hoss sauce s-a-u-c-e but the reason it didn't show up in our search is because the way they trademarked it is all one word spelled H O S A U C I
4: don't
1: even know if they have two S's in there. No. But anyway, we never would have searched for that, so that didn't come up. And um, But we did send in a rebuttal because they're a restaurant. They're not in the hot sauce category. Their sauces are not sold in grocery stores or retailers. So... It's frustrating because we don't feel like it's actually, we don't feel like it's the same name and we're not really competing with them, but, but they hold the trademark. And uh, we have since met with three different lawyers about this and we have invested some more money.
2: So you heard from Lara talking about the regional trademark, which is why Hot Sauce originally thought they were okay just to go about their business, but they wanted to make sure it was legit nationally. It's relatively easy to apply for a trademark on your own, but complications certainly come up. Sometimes it's easier just going with a completely new name, which is why Laura suggested doing this initially. And you may know of the hot sauce company Burns & McCoy. They're now featured in Hot Ones, um, but they were originally not named Burns & McCoy. I actually was having a conversation with Jay on our podcast, and I, I just slipped my mind. It's like, where did the name come from? But here's Jay, which was right after we just finished recording our Craft Hot Sauce Podcast from earlier in the spring.
6: Yeah, so my name is Jay Turner, my wife's name, her name is Michelle Fields. Um, so there's no Burns and McCoy in the in the family at all. Um, we were actually going to call ourselves Motherload Sauce Company. Um, I did all the business name searching. I'm, yeah, and, well, yeah. So in Motherload, being like you just found the gold, the ore, the ore. Um, I grew up in Leadville, Colorado. It's the highest incorporated city in the United States, so 10,500 feet. I mean, I grew up in a mining town when you... Uh, the unspeakable Molly Brown, she was around that area and stuff. Anywho, um, you know Colorado history. If you ever know about it, I'm just saying, <clears throat> you'll know about Leadville, Colorado. About 45 miles away near Vale, Colorado is actually a mine called Burns and McCoy. So when... I literally, it was crazy. I, I did the name search. I, I checked everything with the Secretary of State of Colorado. I, I did a national search for what Sausage. saw smoke. Do all that. Sign up. We, we, we formed the LLC. Did what we needed to do. And, uh, got the web domain purchased. And no bullshit. The next day, I came across a company out of Colorado called Load Provisions. And and they are doing a mining thing. They've got a, like a really cool like uh, miner on their label and stuff. And they also were hot sauce company. I was like, well, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So like, I I had probably about twenty names that we were kind of all discussing. And what I did is I went in front of a marketing company and we sat down for two days and we whittled it down to what we thought was the best name, honestly. And. I, I really did want to stick to my mining roots in terms of what I grew up with and the history I know, so that's why we stuck with Burns and McCoy with the name instead of doing like we had some other cool names, and I really wish I could tell you because they're mentally blocked out of my head. But we had some other cool ones, It's just Burns and McCoy. It just it was there, and it, 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 we were able to stick with the mining theme if we wanted to, and. You know, the more that we've continued to grow, I was like, screw it! I'm a tattooed punk rock metalhead. I'm gonna give people tattooed punk rock labels and artwork, kind of like Steve Seabury. I could give a shit, fuck it. But you know,
2: you gotta love Jay. Uh, he's awesome, and his sauces are amazing too. So you've heard of a couple situations right now, and I'm warning you, we got a doozy coming up. But you got a couple paths that you can take when you, when you're hearing these. So. You can search for conflicting trademarks on the USPTO website, and if something comes up, if it's looking that it might not be that easy to do so, you can pivot to another name that doesn't have those conflicts. Or it could look good, or maybe it looks semi-okay and you're gonna take a gamble and apply for the trademark. So once the USPTO examines the mark, and if they find it's entitled to its registration, it goes to the place called the Official Gazette. And so this is a newsletter that's published weekly. And once the mark gets to the Gazette, there's a 30-day waiting period where folks can contest registration of that mark if they think it infringes upon their own mark. But before the decision of bringing the mark to the Official Gazette, the USPTO has a system for deciding on what gets pushed through or not. And here's Lara to explain that.
5: The USPTO looks at what we call the DuPont factors, which came from a case involving the DuPont company. And it's a 13-point test that they examine. And they essentially compare the trademarks and the goods and services, the channels of trade. And, and the ultimate um, goal is to see, would consumers be likely to be confused into thinking that the two two brands or trademarks are coming from the same entity or, or or that there's an agreement between them some some form of relationship between the two of them uh the two owners and and so you know if you had uh mcdonald's the, you know golden arches mcdonald's is ubiquitous across the world um and then you had mickey donald's people would think that that's the same you know entity or or you know they use or I think it became, you know, started more with the public and then McDonald's has kind of adopted the Mickey D's abbreviation. If you had like Mickey B's or something that was similar, um, there's a chance that consumers would think that the, that the products are related and go to that, you know, Mickey B's because they thought it was coming from the McDonald's corporation. And, um, and that's what essentially that consumer confusion or what we call trademark infringement is is what trademark law strives to prevent. Um, So the government looks to that 13-point DuPont factor test to see how similar are these marks, how likely is it that consumers would be confused. And if they find that it's likely, then the federal government will refuse registration of the mark or give the applicant an opportunity to show why the government is wrong in its analysis. And you can do that through legal and factual arguments and third-party declarations and... Uh, It can become a real uh, fun project, actually, for lawyers. Not necessarily so much fun for clients often, um, but that's the kind of creativity that's really fun for attorneys.
2: So here comes the situation that can be fun for lawyers, as Laura just mentioned, but sometimes not financially feasible for many small business owners. When we last left off with Steve, he put in an application to register his hot sauce name, Damn Skippy. And this is actually when all the action started
0: going down. That has filed and has been granted an extension, a review extension, extension, usually 30 days. So the extension was 90 days or something. uh, What
2: what was that feeling like?
0: The feeling was the pit in my stomach. You know, your stomach drops. It's like, ugh. You know, because before it went to this point, when it was in there just in the process of of having been filed, and now I'm waiting and waiting waiting for it to go to the Gazette, I got emails from a company, um, Skippy.com, and that's the one, that's not Skippy Peanut Butter, it's a, a Skippy, if you go to Skippy.com, you'll see that the Skippy is actually a cartoon character, um, the lovable character Skippy, who was um, created by Percy Crosby in the 20s, and um, I was getting cease and desist letters, so pretty much, saying that you can't use Skippy, and that's, and that's, and the word "damn" in front of it, and as one word is, is a derogatory term, and all this stuff, and I'm um, I'm thinking that, that that you know the word is actually it's although it's not in the Webster's dictionary, it's out there, it's in the slang dictionary, it's a word of uh, you know excitement, exuberance, and and a, and, a, and a exclamation of approval and things like that and um, that's the way I've always used it years before I decided to do this and uh, so I just waited that out and um, then I didn't hear anything from this this person and then once it got to the Gazette I heard from someone that wanted to file an extension I found out it wasn't Skippy.com it was Hormel Foods well Hormel Foods is is um Listed as a longtime um, opposing litigator with Skippy.com, it had they had been doing it for years.
2: Because apparently because they have Skippy peanut butter.
0: Yeah, well, Hormel Foods creates Skippy peanut butter, and Skippy.com was the character, comic strip character, and had been around before Skippy peanut butter came out.
2: So there is kind of two people out there. Yeah, but they were, but they were, were, fight, were but they were fighting but they were fighting each other. Yeah.
0: Skippy.com was had a long time litigation with Hormel Foods because apparently Hormel Foods used uh, uh, apparently uh, allegedly stole outright stole the Skippy name from that you know through whatever I mean there's a big long litigation and you can go on Skippy.com read about it Um, but I got to kind of see it firsthand because I actually spoke on the phone with the um daughter of the the owner of skippy.com um and um once it was noted that so now that my it my um oh let me see the gazette yeah oh yeah so it was hormel foods that applied for the extension but i waited it out i'm thinking i'm just gonna wait it out and then shortly after that i got a letter in the mail from the USPTO, and it was a, a registration certificate saying, "Congratulations, Damn Skippy is now registered for my hot sauce." And then later on, I get an email saying that um, Hormel Foods has filed a uh, petition to cancel trademark name Damn Skippy, my my name Skippy. And that brought me brought, brings me to the present, well it was a couple of months ago where I finally um, weighed my options and um, probably not unlike many other little people who have succumbed to the big the big bully who yeah. has the money That I, I'm telling you how many businesses start out and they fizzle and they're gone you can go on the website and do a you can do a trademark search on the USPTO and search for trademarks like with damn Skippy. And you'll see ones that used to be out there, but that are not. They died or they're, they're, they're terminated or whatever. And, um, you know, so now that, and, and I weighed my options, I decided to cancel it.
2: That's a crazy story, right? It's a tough decision, but if Hormel Foods has a target on your back, you got to do what Steve did. If you've listened to the Craft Hot Sauce podcast, you know that all the hot sauce makers I talk to, folks from the industry love to give back and give advice. They don't shy away from increased competition. They help each other out. Hot Sauce and Damn Skippy wanted to give you some advice if you're ever thinking about applying for your own trademark. The advice
4: I would give is the advice that we're not going to follow ourselves <laughs> is uh, is, you know, hire an attorney and and make sure that you're you're spending your time going after something that you can use. We are not going to follow that advice right now because we're not going to spend twelve hundred or fifteen hundred bucks for an attorney to do this because we feel more confident now that we've been through the process in terms of searching the database for a name. Um, Now that we've been through it once and we've kind of, we've sat down with an attorney and talked about it. So we feel more confident. This could be a really naive and dumb thing to do for us. We might end up in the same spot, but you know, at some point you have to take your, you have to be confident that you're capable of doing, doing this, this process. So
1: I would say for advice, if you have to pivot your name, what we have been really trying to find is another name that, that conveys our message and that we like, but that can um, fit easily into our existing look so that we don't have to change our label, we don't have to change our logo. So the little bit of brand recognition that we have established can be maintained. There's actually a brewery here in Oregon recently. It's Atlas, Atlas Brewery, Atlas Cider. And they recently apparently got... um, The notice that they have to change their name after five years and they're changing to avid avid and i'm sure part of their thought process was like how do we kind of try to stay where we were but be legal you know so people were throwing out a lot of great names but we're like that's never going to fit in that spot on our label and i mean that might be a little bit confining but that's what we're trying to do keep the logo keep the label just plug in something that we can trademark
0: you know in the end if you have a product that you're passionate about and passion is something that we're talking about, um, that's the important thing. Finding a name, that's important too. You want something that you know, but if you have a product that's good, keep doing it, get another name, swallow the bitter pill. Um, in my case, um, I suppose I can be called fortunate because I, I didn't get to the point where, or, I didn't combat it and, and dispute it myself, Yeah. and then you know go to court. Well, I can't go to court, I unless someone would do this pro bono. You know, it's you know, and you get a lot of money, then you're you're gonna you're not gonna win. Um, that's w- why, right there, because I said I experienced this firsthand. If you're gonna go into this business, um, it really, really. Do your due diligence and research as much as you can, right from the outset. Anyone you you may know that has experience in, in intellectual law, property law, and um, trademark law, pick their brains. And if they can help you, and you know a, an attorney, also that's that's even better. Um, I didn't have any such um, you know venues to to look into. So.
2: My advice is just ask around, search online a ton, and breathe. Shit gets real and overwhelming quick, and you're gonna wanna give up a lot of times. I have myself, but you get through it. And maybe not by yourself too, so ask for help. Since I recorded this, Matt and Catherine actually mentioned they're moving on to Heat You Can Handle, which I love, and their hot sauce is amazing. They had a huge summer out west, and one of the hottest hot sauce names out there right now. And I was a little quiet talking about crack sauce uh, because I got lucky. Uh, I lived in Ireland for a while and and crack is an Irish word. You go, hey, what's the crack? Um, Last night was good crack. It's about a word, having a good time, having a laugh, and that's what my brand is all about. And I wanted to bring that. It was so important to me to have that name because it really did feel a part of me. And even though there were some potential conflicts, in the first search that came up, I gambled, got my mark register, things went smoothly, but I got lucky. Um, everyone you heard from today has a small business, and I know we wouldn't have it any other way. And so I'm actually excited doing a special monthly craft Hot Sauce Club order with a hot sauce three-pack with sauces from Sauce, Burns & McCoy, and crack sauce this month. And when you can support your local small businesses and eat damn good hot sauce delivered to your door at a pretty reasonable price, it's a win. So before we wrap up, I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you to Laura, Jay, Catherine, Matt, and last but not least, Steve, for sharing their advice and stories. Hope you enjoyed it. Check out some other episodes if you liked it. We would love a rating and for you to subscribe so we can share the stories with so many other future hot sauce makers. But now, it's time to turn to the funky, soulful, local Boston band, Ripe.
3: Kind of strange You'd be drawn to anything Go out by night To mess around and feel alright And if you think hey, that sounds nice Come join me, girl, go to the flip side the baby Things I do our best Get out of the life